Good morning. Well, I'm glad to be here with you today as we continue, again, our church-wide campaign called The Story. I know we've talked about it, and I mentioned it earlier, but again, if you haven't been here, we'd love for you to pick up one of these books. There's plenty up front for you to choose from. And so this week, we looked at chapter two. I hope you write it on your own. If not, uh, you can catch up. It's not too late to, to catch up. You know, we're just starting. But this week, we learned all about Abraham. And even if you didn't read, or maybe you've never read your Bible, I bet you've heard of Abraham before. You might not know it, but you're probably somewhat familiar with him. And did you know the top three world religions point back to Abraham? Of course, Jewish people point back to him. Uh, The Islamic faith points back to him. And of course, Christians point back to him. He's a guy who's pretty famous, even if you haven't read your Bible. And what we see from the story this week is that we see God choosing an unlikely person to do something about the mess the world's in. You see, Abraham doesn't have a strong resume. In fact, he really doesn't have one at all. But the world's become a mess again after the flood, and so God steps in to do something about it. And like your story, Abraham's story first starts with his parents. All you have parents? Some of you, yes. Some of you, no. Okay. Yeah, but just like your story, it starts with his parents. And in Genesis chapter 11, it's not in your storybook, but it's in the scriptures. I want to show you something today. But we see the author lay out the family tree for Abraham. Just tells us some stuff about him, who his father was. It tells us that his father was Terah. His wife was Sarai. We're going to call her Sarah because that's what we're familiar with. And she was childless. But then it tells us something else fascinating I want to put your t- attention to. It's Genesis eleven thirty one. It's on the screen behind you. It says this, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai and the wife of the son of Abram and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, at first glance, this seems like one of those boring parts in the Bible that we can kind of get glossy-eyed over. You know, the big long list of people's names and things they've did, and we kind of just tune out. But this one's a pretty big deal, I think. See, pay attention. It says, Terah was going to where? Where is he going? Canaan, right? You see where it says he's going? Now, what's Canaan? The prompt, right? The land flowing of milk and honey. Hold on. Abraham's dad was going there. That's the land that Abraham was promised. That's the land Joshua, we'll get to it later, will eventually conquer. Canaan's the promised land. Why in the world was Abraham's dad on his way to the promised land? Was he told to to go and conquer? Was he told to go be a part of it? We know Abraham was. But why was his dad going there? Had he been told just like Abraham and maybe he was gonna be the grandfather of the nation? You know, Abraham's the father. What happened? Why was he on his way? So here's the thing. It's been driving me crazy all week. Do you know why we don't know why Terah was headed to Canaan? Because he settled. Do you see that? He was on the way for the promised land, and we don't know why, but that's what it says he was headed towards. But he settled in in, um, Haran. You see, How many of us have settled for less than what God has called us to? 
How many of us have played it safe and played it easy? And you know what? We really don't wanna get uncomfortable. We don't know why he stopped. It could have been building a business. He might've had a great excuse. He might've had a great health plan. And here, and I mean, that's what might've had. Might've had a good 401k, got a good job, built a business. We don't know why. I mean, maybe he stopped believing. Maybe it got hard. But all we're told is that he settled. How about you? If someone were to write a story of your life, what would they say? Would they say, and they settled in Conway? Nothing else to tell. Would they just use your name to talk about your great things your kids have done? Or worse yet, why his name is in here? Would they use your story to compare to somebody else who actually did something amazing? And you're in there just to contrast like, hey, don't be like this guy. Be like the other person I'm gonna tell you about. Because that's why he's in the story. He's a man who settled. He's a man who didn't continue going. Because the next person we're going to see is Abraham, which we know is a hero of the faith. In fact, in Hebrews, we see him listed as one of the heroes of the faith. But not his father. Because it's settled. And so today's message is about living by faith. Today's message is not settling. It's living for everything God's called you to do and everything that God's called you to be. And today's message is just a little different than usual. Today, we're gonna have three points. Y'all ever had a three-point Baptist message? Yes, that's one of them. They're not gonna rhyme, so I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think that through. But just a three-point message, I'm gonna try to bring it all together. But when we look at the life of Abraham, there's just so much to think about and so much to talk about. And so if you don't wanna settle for less, if you wanna live into all that God's called you to be, and I don't know what that is, here's some points for you to consider and think about. First, I want you to know God has called you to his plan and his purpose. Just like we see a call from Abraham where Abraham wasn't doing anything, God intervened and God called him, God has also called you to his plans and his purpose. You see, Abraham's journey just starts with a promise. Look at this, Genesis 12, one through three, it says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on earth will be a blessing through you. See, Abraham's doing his thing and God shows up and says, leave everything you know. He says, I'm gonna make you into a great nation, but Abraham has how many kids? Zero, how are you gonna have a nation if you don't have kids? You can't even have your kids. You can have this whole nation. Doesn't make any sense, God. But then he says, I'm gonna make your name great. Abraham was still living with his dad. So if you're still living at home with your parents, you can still do something great. But how is he gonna make his name great? He's still at home with dad. He's still living with him. He hasn't done anything. And then it says, all people on earth will be blessed through you. How is that possible? This is 4,000 years ago, a guy in the middle of nowhere in the desert and God says, everybody's gonna know who you. In fact, the whole world, all people groups are gonna be blessed through you. This is crazy. I mean, if, 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 if God came and said this to you, you'd be like, uh-huh, I'm gonna go to the doctor. I might need some pills. Like I'm having these crazy thoughts or hearing these voices. But we know Abraham moves. And a spoiler alert, you already know probably all of this stuff came true. Many nations claim him as the founder. He has millions, if not billions of descendants. Billions of people point back to him to some aspect of their faith. 
In fact, the very fact that you even know who Abraham is 4,000 years removed from when he lived is a miracle in itself, is it not? Who else do you know from back then? Yeah, right. It's amazing. You see, Abram, God, excuse me, God wanted Abraham to know him. And just like God made the first move and said, Abraham, I'm gonna do this stuff through you, I believe and know that God is still calling people today. In fact, every one of us saying, come on, I wanna do something through you. Because when we look at Abraham's story, we've got to remember it's not about what Abraham can do, but about what God can do through him. He says, I'm going to make your name great, Abraham. I'm going to make a name, not, not you, I'm going to do all these things. And we'll see in the story that when Abraham starts doing it his way, it doesn't turn out so well, does it? When he says, I got this, God, hold on. I got this figured out, let me show you. But so just like your story, God's called you to a plan and a purpose. He has a plan and he has something he wants you to do in this world. And all he's saying is, come on, trust me, have faith. But it doesn't mean anybody who's lived by faith, well, how about this? Does it mean it'll be easy? Does it mean once you become a Christian, everything goes perfectly, life goes smooth, there's no trouble, there's no hiccups, and everybody said no. And that's Abraham's story. His life was constantly challenged by threats and obstacles. He constantly had crisis moments. He faced disappointments. Well, how about you? Have you ever had a time in your life where you didn't know what to do next? Where you felt God was calling you to do something or God was moving and he said, I need you to step. And you're like, uh-uh, I don't know what's next though. It's like, Lord, you know what? How about this? I'll go once you tell me what it looks like. When you lay out the plan, me and you can barter, we can figure out what that should be. And then, y'all ever felt like that? You ever been scared, disappointed? Well, I want to comfort you a little bit to let you know, you know you're not the only person who gets fearful of the unknown. You're not the only person who's scared about not knowing what's next and, and fear kind of eats as it's all. All of us have to overcome that. Do you know you're not the only person who gets lonely and depressed? All of us have that. All of us face these things. All of us have to work through them. And even Abraham, the man of faith, the man we're still talking about, struggled and doubted and wanted to know how to move forward. And in these moments, which is point number two, God comforted him. God will comfort you. You see, there's a verse I want to show you, but just to give the background, this is coming after Abraham has left, he's moved around, he's left his homeland, he's faced famine, he's faced issues in Egypt. Remember that issue in Egypt where he's like, she's not my wife. Y'all remember that? Yeah, take it in his own hands. Okay, going through all that, split up with family, went and rescued his family. If you ever thought you had family drama, read Abraham. He has a whole lot more than you, probably guarantee it. And so we don't know how long it is, but we do know it's been years. He says, God, I've left everything. God, I've took a step of faith. God, you told me to leave. I left. I took everything and you still haven't come through. You still haven't gave me the son. I've been waiting and I've done everything. God, it's your turn to move. And God comes to him. Just like God will come to you. And this verse isn't just for him. I believe this verse is for us as well because look at what he says to Abraham. Genesis 51. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He says, do not be afraid, Abraham, or Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. 
You see, he moves Abraham from a place of fear to a place of confidence. And I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I believe you're here for a reason. And I want you to know that God is telling you, he's whispering, if you would just listen, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. You see, God is assuring Abraham as he will continue to do throughout the story of his loving presence in Abraham's life. In the scriptures, we always see God making the first move. And he says, Abraham, I know you have fears, but I got this. I know you're depressed. I know you're anxious. I know you're fearful. But Abraham, you don't have to be afraid because I'm with you because he says, I'm your shield, which means, Abraham, I'm your protection. I got this. I know, I know the retirement. I know the 401k. I know the health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I got you. And then he says something which is so hard for us to grasp, but if we could put our minds around it, it would change your life. He said, and Abraham, I am your very great reward. He says, everything you're working for, Abraham, the rewards aren't here. It's not about your money. It's not your prestige. It's not about all this because he's gonna have more than any of us ever will ever think about heaven. He says, Abraham, it's not about that stuff. It's about me. God says, I am your wages. I am what you're working for. I should be the most valuable thing in your life. Do you value God? Is he what you treasure? You see, we have to think about that. Are we comforted knowing that God and knowing God is good enough? If he did, we live on the other side of Easter so we can talk about it. If God did nothing else for you but send Jesus Christ to die and give you eternal life through him, would that be enough for you? Well, yeah, that's good, but that house, you seen that house? Woo, come on, God. He says, no, treasure me. I am what you need. I am your reward. And so God reaffirms the promise to Abraham, hey, Abraham, I'm still gonna do this, but I'm your reward. Abraham's doubting, he's struggling. He says, I'm your protection. And look at verse six, this is his response. But he says, and Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Even from the Old Testament, we can miss this first run right over it. Even from the Old Testament, God has always required one thing, faith. Paul's gonna quote this scripture in the New Testament to show, hey, God's been wanting faith the entire time and I need you to understand the only thing God has ever asked and the only thing God wants from you, because if you didn't know, you have nothing to give him. The only thing he wants is your faith, your trust. He says, come on, I got this. You see, there's gonna be pivotal moments in all of our lives Or it's going to be one of these moments where we know that it has so many consequences that we can't explain it, but we can feel it. I can go down this way or I can go this way. You ever had one of those moments where you knew it was a decision, it was a big decision? God's going to say, come on, trust me. You have a God that doesn't look at, yeah, I know. Don't be afraid. I'm your protection. And if nothing else happens, because do you know Abraham didn't see the promises come true? He had a son. He didn't see a nation. He didn't. They didn't take over the promised land. It's amazing, but he still lived by faith. 
He's son, but all the other stuff, never saw it. He's a man of great faith. And here's why this is important, because number three is the one we don't like, but it's true. God will also test you. Now, who likes to be tested? All right, and who has been tested, you think? Yeah, just, okay, this, this service is a little more honest. If God hasn't tested you, then you don't know him. Very important. Because from the scriptures, it teaches us, I mean, you could look at James, he tests all of us. And this is very important to understand. It, it'll help you, I promise, after today, you'll get this a little bit more. But from the story of Abraham, we see that God called him, God comforted him, but what was his deep desire? A son. Abraham wanted a child. That's the thing. I mean, he put God and he followed God and God eventually gave him his son. He blesses him with it. But he says, okay, Abraham, you ready? Sometime later, God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, here I am. He replied, I mean, can you imagine if, are you listening close enough to God's voice to if he spoke it, you would just immediately shout, here I am, right here. Anyways, he says, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. I'd have been like, God, hold on. I didn't hear you right. My cell phone broke up, like had some interference. And this is the part of the story none of us can imagine. And I can't, I got three kids. And when I think about walking up a mountain, watching one of my children's hair blow in the wind, smiling at me, laughing, grabbing their little tiny hands, I can't climb up a mountain. I gotta help them up the mountain. When I think about actually taking one of my children up, in fact, God has asked me to take one of my children up there to sacrifice them. It just sounds absurd. But what we have to realize the very beginning, it says God was testing Abraham. And this is a part of the Bible we have a problem with. Why would God do this? But we gotta understand something. This was written, this was, excuse me, this was over 4,000 years ago. Stop being a 21st century person reading what happened 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago, it was common. In fact, they found the paintings and all sorts of things. It was common for people to have to sacrifice their children for religious things. It wasn't uncommon. And so what God's asking him to do is something evidently Abraham's familiar with. It's evidently something the cultures and in the time people have done. But what's important to see is while God asked him to do something, the other gods, God stops it and said, that's not me. See, God tests them in a way that he would understood. It tests them in the time and the culture and the religions and societies were doing things like this. Nevertheless, God tested him. And you have to understand that God will test your faith. God will show you what you truly value. Because I know, just like you know, it's so easy to say, God, you are my first, I wanna follow you. Just as long as I don't lose my health insurance, and my benefits are good, and I got money in the bank, and I don't get too hot or cold, you know, Lord, that's kind of a thing with me. Right? We'll say, God, use us however you please as long as I'm comfortable. As long as it doesn't cost me anything. And so what God asked Abraham to do was take the thing he valued more than anything. 
I say, you ready to give it up for me? Isaac spoke up and said to his father while they're on the way to the mountain. He said, father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I would have lost it. How about you? I just started crying. I had, I, yeah, look at his faith. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. Little did Abraham know he's not just prophesying about the immediate future. He's prophesying about something that will happen a couple thousand years later. God will provide. You see, that journey about Abraham not having kids and struggling and doubting, God was teaching them they're not his. Isaac wasn't his, Isaac was God's. He had Isaac out of a miracle. But Abraham, are you clinging to it too much? Is it too valuable for you? Abraham said, God's gonna provide. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, do you believe that God's going to provide? If you really believed God was gonna provide, you'd be willing to let go of anything and everything knowing that God's gonna come through on the other side. And it doesn't mean you're gonna understand it. It doesn't even mean you're gonna like it. It just means God is going to come through. And right when Abraham had him on the altar, right when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, God stopped him and gave him a ram for the sacrifice. And although we think this is so unimaginable, I mean, we can't fathom this. This is what God did for you by sacrificing his son for us. And when you get to the point of the story going, mm, I couldn't imagine, man, that would hurt. I could never do something to God saying, and now you understand the great love I have for you. That while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. And so whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, God is saying, don't be afraid. I am your protection. I am your very great reward. Don't you see the cross and the length I'll go to save you? Don't you see how much I love you? Why are you so worried? Why are you holding back? Was what I did on the cross not good enough? God is our reward. And what's amazing about Abraham is he passed the test. But what do you suppose happens if you don't pass it the first time? It's gonna be like your teacher, just be like, ah, oh, you failed, move on, we'll just keep going. Nope you're gonna keep taking that test over and over and over. God, I wanna be used. All right, here's your test. Oh, failed. God, I wanna be used. Here we go. God has a way of showing us what we value. God has a way of showing us. I mean, think about it. Who's the test for? Was it, was it for God? God was like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Hmm. The test was for Abraham. What do you value, Abraham. I mean, if God knows everything, then obviously, what do you value? Are you ready? God will test us. You see, God has called you. God will comfort you. 
and God will test you. And there's one common thing about this activation of faith and about how to move forward. If we wanna be used by God and all that he's called us to, it's simply stop putting your faith in the created and put your faith in the creator. From the very beginning of scriptures, all God has ever wanted was for us to know him. And he's went through extreme measures so we could know him. And anything you put your faith and your hope in in this world will fail because it's created. Don't put your faith in things that God spoke into existence. Put your faith in the one who spoke it all into existence. And could it be the reason why you're stuck? Could it be the reason why you haven't heard from God? Could it be the reason why you're in the same cycle of stuff is that you haven't put your faith in the creator? Could it be that you're holding on to something that he merely created? See, more than often, the thing that's holding you back is something that he created. And what are you desperately clinging to? I mean, what keeps you up at night? What causes you to be nervous? What causes you to be scared? What causes you to be fearful? Is it missing out on everything God has in store or is it something else? What are you scared of? Maybe it's money. I mean, that's a common one, isn't it? Maybe God's testing with your money. Maybe you still haven't learned that it's all his anyways and we aren't following him and giving back like he's asked. And I know finances, giving up money's hard. But he says, don't be afraid. Money's a common one. Maybe it's your career. Do you have your hope and your trust in that company or position? Thinking, hey, with that, that 401k, mm, I can't leave because I got the benefits, the health insurance. You know, disability. I mean, have you seen the past? I can't leave. I got to wait till I retire. Use me then. Then I'm good. And you retire, you'll go, well, I just got so much to do. I'm busier now than I've ever been. That's what every retired person I've ever met has ever said. I'm busier now than I've ever been. So don't wait till retirement. You get busier. Maybe, maybe it's moving. I talked to two close friends this week who just are trying to, they want God to open up the doors. They want to do something, but they won't leave. Where I'm from, oh, not where I'm from, excuse me, where I pastored the, before I came here was in the Appalachian Mountains. And I'm telling you, I would meet everybody, be like, oh, we want God to use us in a great way. We just don't want to move. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave my friends. I can't leave my hometown. So God used me in a mighty way, just not outside of town. And what kind of parameters do you put on God? You say, God, I'll do whatever, just only in Conway. I can't go to the beach. I mean, have you seen the people at the beach? And when I read the scriptures, it seems like every time God uses people, they move and they travel. Maybe it's security. You see, for me, the area, the, the big test I can think of wasn't any of those things. Maybe he did test me and them. They're, they're just easy. For me, money, I never had much growing up, so it doesn't matter. My career, I was headed for jail. I mean, I'm not joking. I wasn't headed anywhere positive. So the career has always been easy to give for him. Moving, my wife and I, we love to explore. We love to move. It's exciting for us. Oh, but my family. 
You see my story, I can resonate with Abraham. You see, growing up, I had a broken family and all I've ever wanted was a family. I just wanted to do things better. If you grew up in a broken family, I bet you believe the same thing. In fact, I remember when I was like my oldest son, Troy's age, when I was about seven, I remember hearing that Jesus is coming back. And I remember talking to my mom going, so Jesus come back? She said, yes, do you think he'll wait till I have kids? I said, and I would pray, Lord, please come back, but can you wait till I meet my children one day? Because that's all I ever wanted. I wanted to have family. I wanted to have kids. I had a vision. I'll never forget the phone call. I was away at military uh, training and Jessica was pregnant with our first child. She called and she said, Brian, the test results are in. She said, they're not good. You need to get home. She said, our child had Down syndrome and a hole in the back of his head and was leaking blood and spinal fluid in two her stomach. She said, we got appointments with the specialist. You need to get here. So I went to my commanding officers. I said, I got to get home. My wife's going through things. Our child's going through things. I got to get back now. And I remember driving home and I remember thinking, why? And I'll be honest with you, this is very true. You have to What I say is usually true. This is actually true. This was the maddest I've ever been at God. I was in a very dark, dark place that day. I said, God, I've devoted my life to you. I'm gonna be a pastor. I'm in seminary. Shouldn't that win me some points? I mean, wouldn't you think? Like some special, I thought, why me? Why was he doing this? I was so mad, I was so angry. I hope and pray that I never get to that place again. And I remember as I was driving, I heard, who do you think you are? And then the, Job from verse, the, excuse me, the verse from Job came to mind. Where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? And it broke me and it rocked me. Who do I think I am? I couldn't answer it. And I realized it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my vision. It wasn't about what I wanted and my dreams. It was about what God wanted, what God desired. And and just because this was happening didn't mean any of his plans had changed. It just meant that my situation was gonna be different. And I have to be honest, I don't say this lightly. Jessica and I actually got to a place where we were good where we were comfortable, not like, mm, it's gonna be okay. We decided that we would have a new community of people to reach. We decided we would have a new area to reach, that God, this is his plans, and we'd have a new section, a new area we could relate to different people. And we started researching and thinking about what would this look like in our life now? And it wasn't like, oh, well, this is just secondary. Let's just, mm. It was like, no, this is it. Let's go for it. And we went to specialist after specialist, Doctor after doctor, one of the super smart doctors explained to us how difficult and different our lives would be having a child with that amount of special needs in our 20s. He painted a picture of how broke we would be and how we could have never afforded and every dream we have and every aspiration we have will never come true because of this situation. And I never forget looking at him and, and saying, what are the odds? He looked at all the paperwork and said 100%. This is guaranteed. And then he asked, 
So what do you want to do? It's his polite way of asking me, do you want abortion? And it took absolutely everything in me, full transparency, it took everything in me not to punch him. I was radically offended because I had made our peace. We were ready. And I'll never forget him walking out of the room and our next appointment was with a geneticist. Geneticist sat down and talked to us about all the reasons I wasn't listening, I was in a fog. But all the reasons and all the things, I said, here's the next step, we gotta test the amniotic fluid and, and all this, and we said, what? And they said, there's chances. She went over all that, and we just said, we don't know what to do, we'll do what we're supposed to do. And so when we had that appointment, again, we saw a lot of specialists, went to that appointment. i never forget them assuring us or preparing us for what was about to happen. They were about to stick a needle in my wife's stomach and they said, don't be alarmed, but the fluid's gonna come back murky and bloody because she was bleeding or the child was bleeding. They said, so don't be alarmed. That's what's going on. Don't get scared. This is, we said, okay. So remember sitting there watching, waiting, scared to death. And we sat there. They put the needle in and as they pulled it out, it came clear as it possibly could be. They were all in utter disbelief because it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible that the baby wasn't bleeding. It wasn't possible that nothing's okay, excuse me, that everything was okay because the sonogram and the test, everything showed that something was tragically wrong, but now it all of a sudden wasn't. You see, every single thing they said turned out to be wrong. You see, I believe my God's still in the business of miracles. I don't know about you, but I do. And I don't know why that doesn't happen for everybody, but I do know that happened for us. And my baby boy, Troy, is seven years old, and every time we look at him, we think, God's got us. No matter what anybody says, we know God's got us. And for us, you have to understand, I needed to be tested with my kids. But was I ready to give them to him? Was I ready for him to change up my life and affect my family, my kids, like I never wanted to happen? Was I ready? That was our test. And I can tell you with full integrity, we were ready for the outcome no matter what it was. But I wholeheartedly believe we passed the test. And that was his way of getting me prepared for ministry. I can't explain it like we can't explain why Isaac had to lay down on an altar. It was what God did with that person and that was their thing. This is what God did with me and this was my thing. This was our test. And how about you? You see, Jessica can I, and I know no matter what happens with our kids, no matter where we gotta move, no matter the crazy situations, we go, <laughs> we look at our son, Troy. God's got it. He always has, and he always will. He's in the business of miracles, and sometimes the answer's no. But I can tell you, God is still whispering today, don't be afraid. I'm your protection. I'm your very great Reward. Just don't put your faith in the created. Put your faith in the creator. Your kids aren't more important than God. 
Your kids aren't more important than God. Your career, your finance, you just name it, they're not more important than him. And many of us settle. We get comfortable. We want the easy breezy life instead of a life filled with faith. A life stepping out on the unknown. A life risking it all for the creator. Just trust him. And so whatever your calling is, whatever your season is, whatever you're going through, I just want you to know that God has called you for his plans and purposes. When you're in the midst of those tough things, God will comfort you. Don't run, lean on him. And all of us need to be prepared for testing. And I don't like it any more than you, but it has a way of showing us what we really value. And my hope and prayer is that you value Jesus Christ above everything else. Because when you do, you watch what happens. You watch what he could do. And maybe 4,000 years from now, people will be reading, wow, we still hear about them. Because they took a step of faith. I want you to believe that God will provide and he is your great reward. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of you, that you are a God that speaks everything into existence, just you know us, and you call us, and you want a relationship with us. The God who spoke everything, the entire cosmos wants to know us. God, we love you. And God, there are people here going through nervousness of stepping into the call and vocally saying, this is where God's asked me to do. There are many of us who are just facing a tremendous amount of hardship and circumstances and we just need you to wrap your arms around us. And some of us are continually failing tests that you're giving us. And our money's more important than you because we've clearly shown it. Or our security's more important than you because we clearly showed it. Or our kids are more important than you because we've clearly showed it. Lord, we just pray that you give us the boldness. Give us the faith to show us. Give us the wisdom to see where you are testing us. Where we need to place our faith in you. Where we need to let go of. God, I pray that you use each and every one of us for your plans and purposes. I pray that if people were to write stories about all of us, it wouldn't be that we settled for anything less than living by faith. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now's the time we're gonna have a time of reflection, a time of...